It's like the tides. Just let your body go. Yeah. You flow over here to the right a little Step bit. Step in an ocean, you can die. But yeah. <laughs> then we were going to do out. it, nope. and then this BYU Sports Nation interview happened, and we were out, man. And all of a sudden, BYU administration's from California. I don't know what happened there. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Our next guest is a man who does not lack in confidence right now for obvious reason. We spoke with him recently on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. All-American BYU quarterback Zach Wilson, a projected top five draft pick. And today we begin a series of weekly conversations that will lead us all the way up to the NFL draft Cannot wait for this. Pay attention. Zach Wilson on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Zach, from morning until evening, what is the typical day like in your life right now? Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, not having school, of course, is always fun. Uh, <laughs> you know, we wake up uh, 7 a.m. We start on the field. Uh, we get our like quarterback group going. Um, we're working through footwork drops, throwing mechanics technique, all that stuff with 3D QB. Um, at about 8.30, we're in the film room. Um, you know, we started off watching, uh, the playoff teams, defenses, game prepping for those. Uh, we would kind of get used to what it was like in the NFL to have to prep for a game. We watched the Super Bowl, all that kind of fun stuff. And now we're kind of into learning the different types of offensive schemes and understanding, um, you know, West coast offense and the digit system and, and, you know, just getting used to that stuff. Um, and then around 10, I have my uh, running stuff with Les Spellman. So I'll drive back over to close to where my house is at in Irvine, um, working on forties, uh, you know, the explosion, the explosion stuff, uh, just making sure, uh, we're going to run some good 40 times. And then at about, uh, noon, I'll go in for my lift. Um, and we work, you know, it's different. We work a lot of rotation stuff. We're working a lot of, uh, core strength, uh, different mobility, shoulder stability, all that stuff. I'm not bench pressing anymore, cleaning or anything like that, you know, uh, working on the little secondary muscles, a lot of good, a lot of good leg stuff for sure. Um, you know, it all ties hand in hand. And I'm I'm typically done there at about two. Uh, go home and grab some food, and then we have uh, physical therapy, and they actually will come over to our house. Uh, you know, we'll lay on the table and and they'll stretch us. You know, it's like the greatest thing. You just lay there on the table, and someone just sits there and stretches you the whole time. <laughs> you know, puts you through some some mobility drills and you know things to work on and. Um, you know, that's probably my favorite part. So I'm typically done by like four every day. Um, our heavier days are Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Tuesday, Thursdays are kind of our, our lighter recovery days. Are you loving this? Like you got, you got a smile on your face when you said you didn't have to clean or bench press, but are you loving becoming even a a better quarterback? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I feel like I'm throwing it super well, uh, compared, uh, to where I've been. I just feel like my body feels better. Uh, the only problem is just having that quarterback body, right? I mean, you don't get a bench. Your pecs don't look good for the girls and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. You have to sacrifice to be able to, to throw the ball well. I've been sacrificing that for about 15 yeah. years. Yeah, that's, there's yeah. a lot of us I can, there. I can yeah. relate to that. Uh, it's been fun to see you with uh, Justin Fields and Kyle Trask and working out with these guys. Of course, your relationship with John Beck goes way back. But what's the dynamic like of hanging out with and training alongside those guys? Yeah, it's uh, competitive. You know, we're all out there pushing each other. Um, you know, it's cool because we're not really competing with each other. Um, I would say, you know, different teams are going to take each one of us. So, you know, my perspective of them is is I, I wish and hope the best for them. You know, I hope 
they land at the spot they're supposed to land and, you know, all that stuff. So we have each other's back in, in that regard. And, um, you know, it's super cool because we go out on the field. Uh, we learn a lot of stuff that they're doing in their offense, how it's different from us. Um, you know, we're able to learn um, a lot of the things that they did. And then maybe, you know, hopefully they can learn some of the things that I did at BYU and we all kind of compare. And then John throws in his knowledge, um, you know, and it's cool to just have those guys around. The atmosphere, especially on the field, is great, too. You get to sit there and watch those guys throw and it pushes you to, you know, to do better. So, Zach, we're excited to talk with you for the next several weeks leading up to the draft. And obviously you're in the news all the time, which is just fun. And sometimes it's an awkward subject. So let's talk about one of those. There was a lot made of you not being a captain initially. What did you make of that? Yeah, you know, it is what it is. Uh, after my sophomore season, uh, there was an open competition. You know, it happens all the time. And it was an opportunity for me to prove that I was going to be the starter again. Uh, shoulder was feeling great. I was feeling good. I was working on my my leadership skills to to be able to lead this team. Um, you know, we come off a seven and six season, lost a couple games at the end of the year. And so it was an opportunity for me to prove myself, you know, um, we did actually a player's voting before uh, quarterback had been announced. And, you know, me and the other two guys had been put on a leadership council and, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, it happens. And, and after uh, the captains were announced uh, before we even went into our first game at, at Navy, um, you know, quite a bit before, once I had been named the starter, um, you know, according to Kalani, some of the other captains had gone up and, and uh, vowed for me that they said, um, that I should be part of the captain role, especially once uh, Bushman went down and I was able to uh, take that role. Um, you know, not even being part of it at first, you know, it was upsetting, but at the same time I understood, you know, I wasn't the starter at the time of the voting. And so um, I know that stuff happens. I know that's just on me because, you know, I was the one that, you know, was in a competition. You know, I didn't play well enough the year before. So, um, you know, that stuff happens, but um, fortunately it worked out. So. What did that mean to you when your teammates vouched for you to have the C put on your jersey? Yeah, I mean, it's cool, especially because I think it came from from a lot of the, the older uh, leaders that we had, you know, some of the guys that had been there for a while and, and the ones that had probably seen uh, how much time and effort I give to this team and, and what I was trying to accomplish for this last year. So, you know, it meant a lot when those guys um, had gone out of their way to do something like that. I thought it was cool. Now the conversation and the pendulum has swung, right, from, uh, from that to, oh, maybe you should be the number one pick. Uh, what's your reaction to that new narrative? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy how, uh, you know, everything switches so fast. It comes as fast as it goes, uh, that's for sure. So, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, I'm not sure which way everything's going to go. I know there's a lot of great quarterbacks in this draft, but, you know, it's definitely a humbling um, experience that I'm very grateful to be a part of. Uh, you know, this is the time of my life. That's for sure. Uh, no school. You're able just to grind on football every day. I'm in California where the weather's, you know, 85 degrees and, uh, you know, it doesn't get better than this. So I'm just, I'm really soaking it all up every single day, just enjoying the training and, and being around the guys and learning as much as I can. We're not jealous of you at all. <laughs> Zach. I've uh, seen all the snowstorms. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah it's see, see what you're missing out on in Utah, man? Yep. Okay. Yep. Zach Wilson with us on BYU Sports Nation. I want to dive a, a little bit more into the narrative of the top five draft pick conversation. How do you handle that and, and try and stay focused on one day at a time? Because the noise is growing louder and louder, and it's more prominent than ever before around you. Yeah, well, I mean, personally to me, mock drafts mean absolutely nothing. You know, you see 
I mean, first of all, every single year they throw five or six guys into the top 10, um, which is, you know, super unrealistic. Um, you know, so how I, how I view it is, is just, you know, the coaches and teams that I talk to and what their perspective is on me, what things they think I can do better on. And, and then I'm not going to buy into anything as being a top five or a solidified draft pick in the top five or top 10 until it really happens because, you know, I don't want to get my hopes up and all of a sudden so many things can change before draft day. It's so crazy, uh, you know, how it all, how it all happens. But, um, you know, a lot of that stuff is, is, um, I would say extra, you know, you know, it does it doesn't mean much. Yeah. It's, it's fun for us when we have to like fill an hour every day, you know, or whatever, but anyway, uh, yeah. walk us through what's going to happen the next couple months leading up to the draft. Cause we are about uh, two months away, obviously pro day, March 26th and Provo, uh, and then the draft in late April. Um, I- Indianapolis is certainly different with the combine. You were invited to that. So what, what will you do there and what will you do at BYU's pro day? Yeah. So, I mean, running stuff, I'm probably going to be pretty limited on. Um, I was just going to run at the combine and then just throw at the pro day. But now that that's kind of out the window, I think what I'm going to do is, is just run down here in California with, with the guy I'm doing my speed stuff with, just have them film it, have a coach there to solidify that, you know, our times and things are real and, you know, really not too big of a, a worry for me as far as the running and all that kind of stuff goes. So um, my plan is to just keep preparing for pro day as much as I can as far as uh, – uh, the throwing stuff, making sure I'm dialed in with my receivers and, and the guys I'm working with. So I'll come back about 10 days before uh, the pro day, um, get some work with some of those guys, um, maybe even get them out here uh, earlier to start working with me here pretty soon. Um, but after after the, the pro day, um, you know, for right now, at least uh, privates and, and visits to teams and all that stuff are, are canceled. So um, really, I think what's going to happen is sitting on Zoom and, and after uh, – after pro day and until the draft, I think I'm just going to be at home, uh, just talking to teams on zoom, uh, just filling out, you know, who wants to draft me and all that kind of thing. And once the draft happens, I'll be sitting on zoom, probably still learning the playbooks and all that kind of thing. So I'll probably be, uh, back out here in in California trying to learn it with those guys, you know, so, uh, going to be a lot on the computer. (laughs) Absolutely. That's like everyone's life uh, right now, right? In a couple of weeks, it's the one year anniversary of all this. When you say, uh, they, were you referring to receivers that you'll, you'll be throwing to specifically that you want to work with on pro day and get them to California. Yeah, no doubt. You know, so Bushman, um, Micah and Aleva from last year's, uh, you know, two years ago team. Um, those guys are going to give it another go at the pro day. So those guys are going to come out here and throw with me Sweet. Um, and then Dax, of course. So we'll have those four, um, solidified. Uh, so I'll try and get those guys out here to start working with me a little bit. I know Bushman should be coming out here. I think about the sixth or so, and uh, we'll be able to spend some time together. Zach, I'm reminiscing currently about uh, the BYU football banquet, I want to say three or four years ago, when you had just finished high school and you were an early enrollee. BYU was coming off of a 4-9 and nine season, and I see this young buck from Corner Canyon High School walk into the banquet room, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the Wilson kid. Okay, cool. From that moment until now, where do you feel like you've grown the most as not just a football player but emotionally? Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. I think back to my freshman year all the time and how much I like didn't know about the game. Um, you know, I go back and watch film and I'm just like, what am I doing? I have no idea what's going on. I'm running around, running around out there, just trying to make plays. Uh, you know, but those, those three years flew by, um, my college career just felt so short, felt like I was barely there, but, um, you know, I went through, 
um, the ups and downs. I went through some crazy adversity from, you know, freshman to sophomore to junior year. And, um, you know, I feel like that definitely helped me uh, my, mature in my development, you know, especially um, mentally, because I just feel like, you know, I'm able to handle more, be able to put more on my shoulders and not get flustered by anything. Um, that's definitely going to happen in the NFL, no matter where you get drafted, there's going to be ups and downs. And so that's definitely what I'm uh, glad that I took out of that experience because, you know, that was a, that was a tough time for sure. But, you know, it's crazy how much I've changed in three years. Certainly so. And I saw some of your teammates that night pressuring you to dance. Are you a better dancer now, three plus years later? Uh, we'll see at the next banquet. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait for the Zach Wilson TikTok channel. Let's go. Let's do this. Yeah, yeah that's yep. going to be awesome. That's not a thing. That's not a, that's not a username. <laughs> You're like, don't worry about me, uh, GMs and scouts. Yeah. Um, you talked about exactly. your relationship with your dad and him essentially being your coach and him learning how to uh, you know, coach you at quarterback and help you along this journey. What's his advice? What is, what is he saying now as you get closer to realizing a dream of yours, which is to be drafted in the NFL? Yeah, it's crazy because it's really, uh, you know, it's kind of shocking for me and like my whole family. Every time we're on the phone, we're like, you know what, this is crazy, like to even be in the spot compared to where we were, you know, just last year and my emotions that I was going through last year of, oh, you know, I want to be the starter on this team. I know I should be the starter and, you know, all that stuff. It's crazy how just in one year, how much stuff can can flip. And so, um, you know, I think it's just a little surreal for all of us. And um, really, it's, you know, my dad uh, understands, you know, the work and stuff that I put in because, you know, he was right there alongside with me. And so really it's the message is just to keep, keep doing what I've been doing and, and have that chip on my shoulder and approach this year, um, you know, like I am competing for a starting role, um, do the exact same thing I was doing before. Zach, it's fun to watch your parents gush about you and to uh, see the happiness that you bring to them on the football field. It's a storyline that we're going to follow closely as we continue your path to the NFL draft. Before you go, I do need to ask you about your relationship with Dax Milne. I know you were excited about being close to each other, and then he tried to steal your PlayStation 5, and now you're not hanging out or something like that, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that dude, he just plays PlayStation too much. That's the problem. That's why he never leaves the house. But, yeah, he's always – He's always out working on his own thing. Uh, he doesn't care to hang out the guys because he's just worried about the girls too much in California. <laughs> <laughs> the truth comes out. Uh, Zach, yeah. it's great to, to catch up with you, man. Uh, we wish you the best of luck. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for the next week or so, and we'll do it again soon. Awesome. Thank you, guys. It's great to catch up. BYU All-American quarterback, projected top five NFL draft pick, Zach Wilson on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Okay, Ty. You just watched that cool customer uh, outline what a day in the life of him training for the NFL draft is like, among other things. What do you think? Man, i so impressed. Like, uh, with all the stuff he has going on and how level-headed he is, and he's you can tell he's just so eager to to learn and get better. And, I mean, I, I'm so excited for him. And, uh, I mean, wherever he lands, he's going to do really well. You talked about Mark Pope staying in the moment. Yeah, he's and totally in the moment. Zach is that, that. He's, yeah. he's that guy, right? Yeah. He's absolutely. just embracing every next yeah. minute yeah. of every day. And, and, and he's not getting so lost in all the storylines going on. He's like, you know what? If I'm, if I'm that draft pick, great. If I'm not, I'm going to have an opportunity somewhere. Yeah. You know? And, and to his credit, I, look, I, I don't buy into mock drafts. I'm not going to believe yeah. in a top five draft pick until and unless that happens. Yeah, exactly. It's the right attitude to have. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. 
This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Alex Barcelo, in his words, was broken when he left the University of Arizona. And at BYU, he found a way to rebuild. This is Deep Blue presented by America First Credit Union. We're here to help. I was at work that day when you called me, and I always get excited when I see one of my children calling, and I answer, but I heard your voice, and as your mom, I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't say that to you, but I felt it. I'm like, you're like, I need to talk to you, and I'm like, okay, I'll be home. He was super broken. His experience at his former school was really, really difficult. He kind of lost some of his love of the game spent a lot of time questioning his own ability and his own skill and his own future and it left him on really uncertain waters he was just like he just got out of bed you know normally he's all you know together and that's like not my son like i and and broken and um, scared the end of my sophomore season i mean i just came to the conclusion that if i still wanted to follow my dreams I mean, my girlfriend Zoe, she told me, she's like, you got to get a bigger opportunity and you got to go somewhere that's going to love and care about you as a person and as a a basketball player and really look at you for who you are and what you can contribute to the game out there. And I mean, it it was a rough summer for me. I'm not going to lie. It was a rough summer, kind of like a roller coaster, ups and downs. We had kind of all got together and we were writing pros and cons between BYU and Butler, like my, my final decisions. You know, I was writing down all the pros, and then I got to the cons section, and I kind of turned to Zoe, turned to you guys, and I was like, I can't think of a con. (laughs) I I don't. (laughs) And then my next thought was, does this mean I should call him? Like, should I call? Should I call Coach Pope and commit? And and that's exactly what I did. You guys were all like, Yeah, call him right now. Call him right now. Everyone. I mean, I just remember it so vividly how happy you guys were for me and uh and how happy you were yeah (laughs) belief is everything like when you have people that you know can stand for you and have your back through thick and thin uh no matter what you're going through like it, it speaks tremendously and i think that's what i had when i came here if somebody believes in you you would run through walls for that person you just needed them to believe in you God always has a plan. Never in a million years would I have expected to be here at BYU, but you know, I'm here and I'm loving it. I've loved every step of the way through thick and thin. Like I'll go to war for this team. I'll go to war for Coach Pope just because of the belief that he has in me. He is the undisputed leader of this team and he works at it every single day. He is oozing with swag and confidence every single day. He knows who he is and he knows what he can do in no uncertain terms. It's amazing to see the growth that he's made with his voice, with his challenging of his teammates, with with his demanding of his teammates. He thinks about how can I help the individuals on this team every single day. He is a born leader that is now a work in progress of rebirth as a leader and it makes your job as a head coach so easy when you have guys that care about leading a team that much Let's go, man. The bounce back. It's real. 
Coach Pope fixed my son. He was so broken. It was so devastating as a mom to see her son come before her like that. And everything he did, every step he took, all the words he spoke, all the actions he took, bringing him into a safe spot around a wonderful community, a wonderful university, wonderful teammates, and leading that uh, was amazing. And I will never, ever be able to thank him enough because he saved my child. And you're laughing and you're smiling <laughs> <laughs> and you're joyful again. And that's huge for a mom. I have this circle around me that is just so phenomenal to me and, and believes so much in me that, like, I want to achieve everything that I'm setting out to achieve for myself, but for them as well. And to kind of show them almost like a thank you, like, thank you for, you know, believing in me so much. Like, it wouldn't have been possible without you to, to continue on this path. Deep Blue with Alex Barcelo. Ty, I know you think highly of him. It's hard not to feel even more for him after you watch that. Mm, absolutely. I mean, I can't say enough good things about this dude. And, and and hearing those things about how he was broken and in a super dark place and being able to come out of it and where he is now, it's it's just an incredible story. And the way he's leading this team, not only on the court, but in the locker room and guys respect him. And, I mean, you wouldn't have – any anybody else leading leading this group? Uh, Ab, Ab, he's doing it. He's the dude. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. His name is Matt Harms on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. But first, let's rewind to last night, Matt, and welcome to the program. There were fans in the stands, man. What was that like? Man, oh, that was that was awesome. Like, I don't really, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, it was such a, a crazy feeling walking in there and just seeing fans. Um, it's just such a special experience. You know, you almost forget what it's like uh, after a year of just nobody in the stands. You know, we've had games where the scorekeepers are the only fans or people there, so that was so special. And it, it felt like you guys fed off of that. Um, especially, uh, you know, during a stretch in the second half there. I, I recall a, a spot in the game as well where you blocked a shot and then you looked real tired going to the bench at like the under eight and you kind of waved your finger like, no, 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 Dikembe. And then when you came out, you kind of screamed like, all right, I got to get myself some juice. What, what was going on in that sequence? Uh, man, honestly, I was, just, I was just going back to like, I was really tired actually. Like I walked out of there, I was like, wow. Utah really is tough to breathe. I've completely, somehow I've completely forgotten how tough to breathe it was here. So I walk out there. I was like, wow, this is something pretty tough. But I knew we had to go win that game. So I had to get myself some juice whatever way. You know, being tired is just an excuse. So I just had to fight through it and um, try to kind of use the crowd's energy, you know, trying to use their bench's energy, which is a lot easier, you know, when there's people in the stands. It's a lot easier to kind of regain your energy in that way. For sure. I, I You know, I can relate to that, Matt. I mean, that's something that's been so interesting to watch this year is not having fans in the stands and not having that energy. But, um, hey, want to talk for a few minutes about Alex Barcelo, Caleb Lohner. Obviously, Alex had an incredible game last night, uh, seven threes. Can you talk about his leadership and, and then and Caleb's energy uh, coming in and his, his new role starting? Man, AB was just 
Alex is just awesome yesterday night. Uh, you know, he's the thing is like after the game, I wasn't surprised or I wasn't like too crazily impressed because I have such high expectations of him because I know what he's able to achieve. You know, I feel like he can do that on any given night. So I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like, oh my goodness, like he he's really doing this. I feel like every shot that he takes is going to go in. That's how much confidence I have in him when he shoots the ball. You know, seven for seven to me doesn't seem like all that crazy because I see him put the work in. I see him put the work in every single day after practice. I see him get shots up during practice, you know, in live scrimmages, that kind of stuff. So I, I believe in him 100%. You know, when he was shooting, beginning of the season, when he was shooting 60% from three, that didn't seem crazy to me. Uh, you know, it's just, I have so much trust in him. So I'm super happy that he had a great night, of course, but I, he's going to have many more. And then Caleb Loner, man, he's just been, he's just been freaking unbelievable. You know, just for him to slot into the starting lineup and, you know, start outputting the production that he has been uh, is really special. Uh, I'm really proud of him, you know, just for a freshman to come out. It's crazy. I was actually talking about this with AB. I was like, you know, in, in any other conference in the country, uh, you probably just pencil him in as freshman of the year. He's got a really tough, you know, he's got a really tough competitor in, uh, in Jalen Suggs in the WCC. But, man, every other conference needs to be a pencil in for the freshman of the year. He's just such a physical presence already, even as a freshman. We should just give him that award. We should just say Jalen Suggs is the name of the award you win. Caleb Lohner has won the Jalen Suggs Freshman of the Year. I, I say we do this. I think that'd be fair, right? Okay, riddle me this. Maybe, maybe, maybe I didn't consider. Your roommate's with AB, right? Yes. Is he in, in the apartment right now? I think he is. Uh, I think he's still asleep. I haven't heard any movies. Always, always still asleep. Oh, maybe this would be even better. Every, everyone's still sleeping there, Jerem. Here, here's what I, yeah. Coming off a big win, let yeah. him rest. Here, Here's what I was going to ask you to do, but now that I know he's asleep, I was going to have you yell, AB was unbelievable! <laughs> but I don't want to wake him up. We probably shouldn't, right? Yeah, we probably shouldn't. Okay. Need his rest. Okay. Uh, question. You're 7'3". Do you have to get a custom bed so your feet don't hang over the edge? No, I have my feet hang over the edge regardless of what bed I have. It <laughs> doesn't matter. That's twins, the kings. They don't get longer. They only get wider. Ah, it's very, that stinks. very disrespectful. So yeah, like, it's awful. do you like have to have your feet covered or are you cool with them just like hanging out there? Uh, I just, I just have them hanging out. Honestly, it's weird when my feet do fit on a bed. Like I've tried the diagonal thing on a king. Yeah. It just feels weird, especially when my feet are under covers. It just feels, it feels wrong after years, <laughs> after probably seven years of my feet hanging off the bed. It's just something that happens now. That's funny, man. Okay, uh, we're talking to Matt Harms. Uh, obviously, big win against San Francisco. Team rankings now says, hey, BYU, 100% in the dance. No guarantees, right? But you guys feel pretty comfortable about getting in at this point. It's just about seeding. And now you have St. Mary's come in. This, this is a big rival in the conference. Uh, and senior night. So a lot is going into tomorrow's game. How do you feel about it? Um, you know, I feel really confident, uh, as I've done all year. You know, this team is just special. Um, we get better every single day. Um, which is just something you don't see from a lot of teams. You know, it's um, I was actually looking at um, kind of how Michigan State's been doing these past couple of games. You know, they've got some really big wins over top five opponents. And I feel like they always do that every single year. And that's always a team to look up to in their way. They make progress during the year. Uh, and I feel like we've made similar strides. You know, after each of our losses, we've kind of used those um, in a way that I – don't think a lot of teams will be able to use them. You know, we go in, we actually really learn. And then, you know, we've kind of had some time after both our losses where we can really reflect, uh, um, 
where we can really reflect, uh, specifically referring to our loss against Gonzaga, where we can really reflect on what we need to do better and where we need to really improve as a team. Um, so we've just taken that to heart. You know, those days after that second Gonzaga loss, we came together as a team, really trying to get better. So that's just, I'm super excited. I'm super confident. Yeah, Matt, that's been really impressive to me all year is just this team's ability to stay in the moment, stay locked in game by game and get better. You know, I've played on lots of teams where guys start checking out, especially at this time of the year. You know, guys uh, start going off on tangents and start thinking about next year or what's to come after. How are, how have you guys been able to stay so locked in to, to the moment and, and play each game one by one? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would credit that 100% to the coaching staff. Uh, you know, just the way they've kept us in there, you know, the way they're keeping us engaged every single day. Uh, that's really important. You know, like you said, there's always guys that, you know, um, start having those thoughts, start having issues during, like at the end of the year. That's when you see a lot of teams drop games they shouldn't be. Um, so, you know, I think the staff has done such a great job of just keeping us engaged. Coach Pope talks about it every single day, um, about being there for this team, being present and being in the moment. Uh, you know, not a lot of teams get to experience what we're going to experience. You know, going to the NCAA tournament is really special. Uh, so we got to make sure we don't do anything to mess that up because that's a special experience. Matt, uh, I'm not sure what your experience, you expected it to be like here at BYU, but it's been a special year, no doubt. Um, how is it compared to what you thought it might be? It's lived up to every single expectation. You know, I'm just super Super excited about where the team is now. You know, I had full confidence that when I came here that we were going to be an NCAA tournament team. You know, I wasn't going to come here to lose. Um, so I knew, you know, I knew that when I committed, I was a winning basketball player. And I was joining a team full of other winning basketball players. And then, you know, once I, uh, once I got on campus, even after that, we added even more winning basketball players. We added Brandon Averett. We added Kid, Kid Loner. So I just knew, I just immediately saw how hard these coaches worked every single day for us. And I just knew we were going to have a winning season. So, you know, my expectations are not met yet because we got to, you know, we got to make a run in this tournament. But um, they're on their way to all being met once if the season keeps going the way it is. So, yeah, Matt, let's talk about that. So you, you've been on some teams that have gone deep into the NCAA tournament, won really, really big games. Elite Eight and Sweet 16. Elite Eight, Sweet 16 at, at Purdue. So, how does this team compare? What are some parallels to to this BYU team and, and those BYU or those Purdue teams that you played on? Uh, I would say you no, know, nothing to discredit this team, but I think this team might not be as talented as some of those some of those teams. But we're just grittier, you know. We're just really gritty, and we've had games where we just refuse to lose. Um, you know, at Purdue, I was on teams that were just straight up better than everybody else, uh, and here I feel like we're just unwilling to lose sometimes. Like I, I would. You know, that first road trip we had with, uh, against San Francisco and St. Mary's, I would look at that as probably the prime example of that. We're down four, six, eight. And then at some point we just say no, and we just win. We go and win the game just because we're unwilling to lose. We just want to do everything to get that win. Um, you know, I've been on some great teams at Purdue, uh, teams that were built extremely differently year to year. But just this grit and toughness is not something you see a whole lot. Um, but it's something that you do see on winning teams. And when you talk about the dynamic of this team, it's interesting because it's BYU's best defensive team since 2008, uh, according to Ken Palm. And then the fact that BYU is 10 deep right now is pretty incredible. So how do those favor BYU in terms of a matchup in the NCAA tournament and the ability to win that first game? Because 
BYU traditionally has gone into the tourney, and uh, it's typically been chalk. And right now this team's probably in like an 8-9 game, hopefully up to like a 7-10. But uh, defensively and with the depth, how does, that, how does that give an advantage to BYU perhaps in a game like that? Uh, you know, it's, once you get to the tournament, anything can happen. Uh, you know, I've, I've been in crazy games as the, as the 5 against the 12 or the, the 4 against the 13. Um, so anything can happen once you get to the tournament. But I believe in this team. You know, like going as deep as we do is not something you see a lot. Just being able to bring guy after guy off the bench that can actually really contribute. Um, you know, I don't think any team is bringing guys off the bench at a quality that we are. Um, so that's something that's really going to be good for this team going into March. You know, it's tough to prepare for 10 guys coming out there. Um, so I really believe that is going to be a huge credit to this team. It's going to be really important for us going forward, you know, to see that. Every uh, every game, our bench outscores their bench and has more. Any this plays harder than their bench. I think that's really important, and it's something we've seen all year. If that continues, I think we have a great shot in March. Matt, so your your journey, your basketball journey is so interesting to me. You you've been all over the world, uh, been a part of a really good club in Spain. Um, come to Purdue, you know, come to BYU. Tomorrow's senior night. Um, you, it seems like you've come into into Provo, embraced BYU, embraced the culture here. Uh, what what does BYU mean to you in, in your basketball journey? Well, I mean, it just kind of meant an opportunity for me. You know, when I was when I was down last year, and I was I just felt like I was really struggling, and I just needed somewhere new to go. BYU was an opportunity for me, and it became just. Some a place that has embraced me more than I've embraced it. You know, just the people here have been so welcoming to me and so special that you know I was in a I was in a in a bad place mentally last year when I was transferred. You know, it's a really it was a really tough decision to make. Uh, but now coming here, it's just every single day I've been happier than the previous one. You know, just the people here have been amazing. That everyone associated with the basketball program has been just simply just awesome. Um, there's nothing more I could have asked for. You know, I'm so happy to be here. Tomorrow's going to be an emotional night for me, you know, because this is a place that when I was at my lowest, I came here and they picked me up and raised me up and um, allowed me to be a part of a special team. So I'm just extremely grateful for that. Well, it's been awesome to have you on the team, and certainly there's some big uh, wins to be had, including tomorrow night against uh, St. Mary's. So congratulations on the season so far. Enjoy tomorrow night with uh, about 2,000 fans in the stands. And, uh, Matt, we appreciate the time, man. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me. Okay, that was Matt Harms, whose feet always dangle off the edge of the bed on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Deseret First, you know why, we show how. He, he's Listen, is not in this position without him. They just aren't. The way that he helps defend the rim, the way that he brings energy, um, the way that he affects, obviously, shots. I mean, it's, it's been awesome to have Matt Harms on this team. And you look at what happened last year, and then for BYU to be right back in that situation, almost equal, by the way. Right. last year's team. I would right. say it's it's close. It's pretty impressive, and Matt Harms is a huge part of that. Uh, he's been such a big part of this team. It just, you know, on the floor aside, in the locker room, Matt's a guy that has embraced his his leadership role and really mentored these young guys. And, I mean, the way that he plays uh, just bleeds over into all of the other guys. And so it's been such a big part of the program. Senior night, tomorrow night, coming up, BYU and St. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. 
We now turn our attention to uh, more from Gonzaga head basketball coach Mark Few on the Goodman and Hummel podcast, part of the Field of 68 media network. This time, Coach Few raising an interesting question about the purpose of even holding a conference tournament if there are no fans. And I, I feel the same even for the Big Ten in some of these places. I don't know. Unless you're having a significant amount of fans, I don't know why you'd have a tournament. You're not going to make any money. Okay. I'm a little distracted. Someone eating something? There are dishes. There's a dog back there. What's going on in the few house? They're just, they're just having a good time. He can do what he wants. Uh, the king of Spokane. Later, Few says there's a dilemma of testing for the NCAA in the conference tournament that uh, may put that at risk. Uh, I mean, the, the kicker for me, guys, was this test in seven days before we can even go to Indy. If we don't test clean seven days before, so that tells me what we've learned over this year with our team is then we got to be pretty much isolated the seven days prior to the testing of the seven days, just after exposures and all that. So, um, that falls well below our conference tournament. So we're going to have to kind of hunker down even around here before we head down to our conference tournament. The pizza rolls are ready at the few house. Yeah. yeah microwaves ready to go. Okay. So he, he uh, does, he does have some fair points. So based on what he just said, Jerem, our conference tournaments, necessary and worth the risk noting the seven day period that is required by the ncaa to essentially prove that your team is clean of covid to get into indiana i don't know that it is for four of the 20 teams and it's BYU and gonzaga men and women unless there's some crazy upset but that's why you hold it the pros of a conference tournament it's very exciting you get more money from the gate and tv it's an event that you can look forward to. It's the premier event in the West Coast Conference. We always look forward to being attached to that, right, in our coverage, which is uh, coming up, and we're excited about it. Um, you could have a, a team make a run. It's, for most teams, this is their NCAA tournament because most teams don't get a go. Talk to everybody not named St. Zaga and BYU. Those teams don't go to the NCAA tournament, and they probably won't for a little while, right? The, their programs aren't at that, that level. Right now, BYU still barely getting to that level after like four or five years of not going. So it's an exciting time. The cons of it this year are particularly poignant, right, given COVID and all that. Mark Few's point is very valid because to go to Indy, to travel to Indy, everyone in the party that gets to travel has to have tested negative seven days in a row. And then they will test like every day they're there. So BYU will actually start this uh, like – not this Friday, but the next Friday, hoping to be able to go on Saturday, Sunday, or Monday to Indianapolis. So uh, even like the trainer, you know, Rob Ramos, he's got to test negative seven times or whatever, everybody. And if you don't, you can't go yet. You can go later, but you, you can't go yet. So it's sort of complicated. And so when we act like 20 teams are there, they're not all there at the same time, though. Let, let's walk through that. So next Thursday the 7 through 10 seeds are going to play each other on the men and women. So that's, that's 8 of the you know 20. You're not going to be around those teams. Yes. Then the next night, guess what? Four of those teams are out. So it's never actually 20 in the gym. No. Um, so, I, yes, obviously the West Coast Conference is going to make this as safe as possible. They're taking extra to precautions. Do it at all. A full hour between games now. It's not just going to be like bang, bang, fill. like the usual format. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be different. Sure. We're going to try and sanitize everything, obviously. A league you know. from California is not going to take risks. <laughs> Just like California is, has a different approach, right, than, say, Utah 
Um, and, and so and, Extra cautious. Like, hey, one positive, boom, we're done. At BYU, it's like, hey, no contract tracing. Let's do interviews. Let's see where you were, what symptoms, the whole deal. Like, and then figure out how yeah. to proceed forward. Well, and based on what's happened within the league during the regular season, it makes me think that like half of the league, if not more, has already had it, and they've got the antibodies because there have been so many positive tests, and they haven't been able to play. Well, for select individuals. We don't know about the whole team. I know. I'm, but, just, it feels, by the way, it feels that way. we're in the 14-day window. Like today, Two weeks from today is the championship game. So if any team has a COVID issue, boom. Right? They have, they, those play... To, like, if it's BYU, they handle it a little differently than everybody else, it feels like, right? And I like the way BYU's handled it. BYU's not had to miss games. They've not endangered anyone with the way they've approached it. They've done it safely. Here's why I feel like the West Coast Conference has a clear and obvious advantage above other conference tournaments. Because they finish on Tuesday the 9th of March, and the NCAA tournament does not start until March 20th on that Saturday. And if you're in the Sunday-Tuesday bracket, then you're not playing until at least the 21st. So, But they want you there like a week before. True, yeah. true. But I still feel like this is an advantage for the West Coast Conference. If there is some type of weird scenario, then a Gonzaga could say, hey, we got down here, it's kind of weird, we're, we're headed back. We're pulling out of the tournament because we got bigger things to take care of. Oh, that'd be in quite the decision, yeah. Right to go and then not play. Well, in Vegas, it, would you if you take your team down there and then there's like a positive case within the arena of of, of another team or something like that? It's like mm-hmm. depends what day because Gonzaga doesn't play. They're not going to play. Until they wouldn't play Monday. until Monday. But what still. if it's Friday? It's like hey, in two and a half, three days, can you have this ready to go? You would hope so, but yeah. you. If you think about what's on the line for Gonzaga, this why go is, at all then? That's that's the question but that Mark View is being but they're bringing it up. Sounds like they're going. They're going yeah. to go. They're going to be isolated. Um, I'm sure that a few of the players and staff members have had it because Gonzaga has you know gone on a, a few little yeah. shutdowns. They had a shutdown in December, right? Yeah. So and didn't play Baylor. They're going to go, but they'll be able to isolate game. in a nice hotel away from the Orleans. They'll be bussed there. They won't have any contact with people coming in. Multiple buses. Though. Yes. Yeah. It's going to be fine. And, and there is a 10-day period built in between the end of the tournament and the first game, first games of the NCAA yeah. tournament on the, Saturday the 20th. The NCAA wants the auto bid winners there on Saturday. Unless, Preferably. Yeah. But if you've you got to be flexible. If you played already. And then they want the at-large teams there Sunday or Monday. That's the hope from the NCAA. Uh, yeah. The B- BYU, hope being the operative one. BYU could be there Saturday, Sunday, or Monday. We'll, we'll see. Because right now, BYU's going, barring just an epic disaster. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, our second guest of the day. He is a member of the now reigning MPSF Championship BYU Swim and Dive Team, Brad Prolo. Brad, welcome to BYU Sports Nation and congratulations on having the best weekend ever. Can we call it that? Yeah, we can. We can. It's one of the best weekends, I can say. (laughs) Let's talk about what you just pulled off, uh, including breaking the BYU school record in the 200-yard butterfly, a minute, 44 seconds, 16 hundredths. What was that moment like for you as an individual swimmer? Uh, for me personally, I was super excited because it was, one of, it was my very last race, 
And that was my main event that I was focusing mostly for. So when I touched the wall, I was a little tired, but when I looked up at my time, I was pretty excited. What were the emotions like as you encountered your last race? Obviously, you want to win, you want to go out on a high, but to perform like you did, I, I imagine that was very meaningful to you. What did that, how did that feel? Yes, I was. I had a lot of caffeine in my body, and I was really <laughs> jittery, actually. That's usually how it goes. When you have your favorite event coming up, you are super psyched and ready to go. And sometimes that can help. Sometimes that doesn't. And in this case, it helped. Red Bull gives you wings. Yeah, you're just shotgunning Red Bulls <laughs> and Mountain Dews. Like, oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Uh, Brad, what made this team better than the rest in the MPSF, given having to practice and train during the pandemic? Uh, one thing I would say is that we were just able to swim. Uh, a lot of the teams that we swam against uh, from the MPSF championships, uh, many of them are from California and did not have the opportunity to train as much as we did. We had the opportunity right from the beginning of the first semester here, the fall semester, to get in the pool and put in the hours to get back into shape and get ready for this championship meet. Brad, the butterfly is not an easy stroke, right? Like there are easier ones than that one. So what, is it, what does it take to perform that particular stroke in a, in a swim meet? I think it's all upper body. It's all your arms and the muscles up in your shoulders. Um, I don't know how, why. Honestly, I don't know why I'm so fast at it. It's just a stroke that I've lo- come to love. I, I used to be a bro stroker, the one uh, that that looks like a frog. But over <laughs> coming back from my mission, I wanted to break that team record in the butterfly. And so I just kind of switched back over. Brad Prolo, record holder for BYU Swim and Dive and the 200-yard butterfly with us on BYU Sports Nation. Brad, what is your weekly training schedule like? Yeah, so every every day, Monday through Saturday, we are swimming. Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays, we have two times a day. Uh, so in the morning, we're swimming from 8 to about 7.45, and then from 7.45 to 8.30, we're in the weight room. And then we get our little break, I would say, which includes school. And we come back from two to four. So it's twice a day, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then Tuesday, Thursday is a little rest day recovery. And we get to only swim once from two to four every day. You only get to swim once those days. Like this, of all the sports, it's gymnastics and swim and dive where I'm like, you guys go like way hard. Like basketball shows up. They got film. They got weights and everything. But they'll do like – they're, they're one set, you know, practice and then they're off, right? I mean, you guys are like uh, football and fall camp going twice a day. I mean, how do you keep up physically with that? A lot of recovery, a lot of sleep. That, my naps are my favorite thing. So <laughs> when we are able to get those naps in, a lot of food, and mentally you just got to prepare yourself. So it's, I mean, it, A lot of swimmers have been doing this their entire life, so um, we're kind of just getting used to it. It's the extreme of the naps or the highly caffeinated. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> the come down from all that caffeine yeah, is, is, sig- is significant uh brad let's talk about your upcoming competition schedule and your ambitions in the sport what what's next for you for me my goal actually is ncaa is the championship that's going to be happening in march uh i i need to swim one more time to see if i can get into the top 30 in the nation for my 200 yard butterfly and i'll be going to texas to do that and i hope that i can get that time that drop that i need but if not then it's the olympic season so 
the Olympics are coming up. Uh, trials are going to be this summer, and that's my goal is to get to the trials. That would be amazing. There. It really would be. Uh, who else stuck out? Because there were a lot of notable performances among your teammates on both the men and women's side. There were tons of people on the swim team who actually came in clutch and were able to produce great times, such as Josue Dominguez, our breast choker from the Dominican Republic. He broke some records as well. We had Javier Mata, who uh, is from Spain. He actually won six out of his seven events, so he put up the most points helping us win. Uh, We had people who were not seated to win events, but they came in and I uh, got top three, got top performances, which really helped the team drive forward to win. Brad, I hope that you have uh, earned a long nap today. That should be like in the contract when you win or you break a school record that you get to nap as long as you want. So uh, let us know who we need to talk to to make that happen. All right. I think Tom Homo needs to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that, Tom? Hey, Brad, congratulations again. It's great to have you on BYU Sports Nation. Let's give you some karma so you can get that time drop and uh, pursue your bigger goals. Thank you so much. You got it. Brad Polo on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Oh, that there were a contract. I know, right? <laughs> I was like, Homie's an NCAA athlete. Yep, no contracts. <laughs> uh, at least name, image, likeness is coming down the pipe. Well, the contract is you will go to class and you will get good enough grades so that you can keep receiving your scholarship. That's not an issue with <laughs> swim and dive. Okay? That's the, these are smart uh, kids, absolutely. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Is BYU basketball this season better than last year's team? Because CBS analyst and former Penn head coach Tom Donahue said the following about BYU. Last year, BYU was thought to be a dark horse team that could make some noise, maybe make a run in the tournament. This year's team probably doesn't have quite the same shooting, but feels like it might be a touch more complete. What's your feel? I'll tell you what my feel is. I think they're better than last year. Uh, excuse me? That's the only time we're going to show a highlight of just a foul because we wanted to hear the sound. <laughs> BYU basketball is better what? than last year's team? Okay. That is quite the hot take. Yeah. Jerem, do you agree with Steve Donahue and the CBS Sports commentary from Saturday? No! Yeah. BYU's not better. Let, let's break it down. Let's quantify it with some research here. Okay, does this year's team have a win over a top-five team? No. Uh, last year's did at this time. Ranked, is BYU ranked in the top 25? Six out, but BYU was ranked uh, at this time. Uh, top 10 net ranking for this year's team? No. They're getting better. 22. Um, projected six or seven seed? Eight or nine? Then no, it's not. This year's team is pretty good. I would say... Good to very good. Last year's team was very good, right? Um, and, and so, so what? They're not as good as last year, but they are not far behind. You look at the metrics, though. So what does BYU do this year better than last year? There is something. Uh, there are two things, in my opinion. One is defense. Yep. And it's not even an opinion. It's just better. Uh, adjusted defensive efficiency by Ken Palm, that is... How many points do you allow per 100 possessions? BYU is at 92.2. That is the... Uh, Best number defensively since 08. Wow, at BYU. That's amazing. And third best since 97. 
when Ken Palm started tracking that. So that's amazing. The other thing is this. BYU is deeper than last year's team. That's not always a strength per se, but if you have foul trouble or someone's off, there are other guys to go to, and BYU is playing 10 deep. This is Mark Pope, 95-6, when did he win? Uh, national Championship. They went 10 deep at Kentucky. They pressed. That's mainly why. But this team is so deep. So in those two ways, yes, there's less star power, but there's more depth, and they are a better defensive team. And oh, by the way, offensively, BYU is still in the top 30. It was 1996 when Mark Pope won his national championship at Kentucky with Rick Pitino. And in that year, I don't know if you heard, Jaron, but Mark Pope never cursed, not one time. <laughs> well, thanks, James. <laughs> Okay, back to the topic at hand. This makes perfect sense that Tom Donahue would say say something like this. He coaches in the Ivy League. All right? (laughs) He's like, I love a backdoor Yes, yes, just hard-nosed, defensive effort, gritty, get up and, you know, you bring your lunch pail to work every day, you play defense. What is this, a steel mill or a coal mine in West Virginia? It is Penn, you know. No Pittsburgh Steelers no in Pennsylvania. He's like, yeah. This makes perfect sense. Based on who he is, his backdrop, where he coaches, he's watching what BYU does yes. defensively. He's seeing those metrics, and he's like, that's way better than BYU was last year in well, that regard. In that particular number, yes. But is anybody saying the type of things about BYU basketball this year, other than Tom Donahue, that others were saying about BYU last year? Uh, this no. team could legitimately make a run to the Elite Eight if not the final four. They were like the Cinderella favorite dark horse pick to shoot their way into just a dramatic final four. This team is unbelievable. Jake Toulson, Yoli Childs, TJ Haas, Zach Selyus. Oh, and Alex Barcelo was the afterthought. He's now the alpha on this BYU team. Yep, They were loaded. Nobody is saying that BYU has the potential to make a final four run, other than maybe the guys that are in that locker room and telling each other, hey, we can do something special. They should think that way. Right. BYU's not the top three-point shooting team in the country. That's the difference. Yeah, the national if, consensus is not, this could be a Final Four dark horse team. If you have Yoli Childs and you shoot the three of the best in the country, you can compete with anyone. It's different. Now, can BYU compete with anyone defensively? Perhaps. But offensively is where it's like, okay, that's where there's going to be a difference. BYU has shot the three better, which is great. I, I'm really excited about that that was my one. Uh, if we're if we're picking nits with this team, that was my one thing. Well, and watch what so. happens when you play defense well and you shoot the three well. You crush teams. Yes, but BYU's not going to play LMU and Pacific in the first and second rounds of the tournament, right? It's going to be a tougher competition. But as you get closer to that, that's great. And, and I don't think we can completely just look at how BYU performed against Gonzaga to see how BYU would perform in a second round game should the Cougars win the first. I, I think that the Whoever the, the third first seed is, is not going to be Gonzaga. And the way BYU played at home, if BYU shoots three a little bit better, Cougars are in that game, and all it takes is one game. It's not a series. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. BYU is not better than last year, but BYU is way better than yeah. I thought they would yeah. be. I would love to see BYU play again against USC and Boise State. They're a different team right now. BYU and so, beats Boise State right now. And those teams are different, too. Yeah. I mean, the Mobley brothers are unbelievable at USC. USC, I'm not sure. But I'd like to, I don't think tough. BYU is going to lose by 30 against USC oh, no. right now. Yeah, I'm sitting in Uncasville, Connecticut at that one going, gosh, this is bad. There are 100 people in that gym. And I'm just like, wow, this is terrible. But Boise State, that's the game. BYU's not going down 14 nothing again. That, and that was the difference. I would like to see BYU rematch against those teams because they are similar in that they're – 
athletic. They have long players, a little bit more difficult to defend. But BYU is a different team now. Their freshmen don't feel like freshmen, notably Caleb Lohner. Oh, right. my goodness. He right. was unbelievable over the weekend. So while he's taking the jump to steal Mark Pope's phrase, this BYU team still has some work to do. Like they, they could potentially maybe get close to the level over these next few weeks. If they win the West Coast Conference the Tournament Championship, what? be a team that is capable of winning a game or two in the NCAA Tournament. Yeah. It'd be nice if this team won a game. I think if BYU goes and they lose a non-close game, I think there's some disappointment there given how, how good this team's been defensively. And then offensively, BYU's still top 30. It's not like BYU's a slouch. BYU's really good. BYU's in the like 10th percentile of offenses in the country. Think about that. And right now, there are 36 at large, and there's like 357 uh, Division One teams. BYU's one of the top 10th percentile teams in college basketball. Yeah. Like, to get in at large, you have to be that good. What would make you think, and this is just a question for you, Jerem. Everybody else, feel free to chime in on Twitter, uh, social you, media. You plural, okay. English stinks. What would, you, what would it take to make you think that this team has surpassed last year's team? What would they have to accomplish on the floor to get to that level? That's a good question. Probably because going to the tournament is not it. Right. Just because we didn't see it. Even winning a game is probably not enough. I don't know. Maybe it's win two. Get to the Sweet 16. But even then, I thought last year's team was fully capable of doing (laughs) anything. Right. Like anything good I thought was possible. Not like win it, but I thought, oh, listen, it's not not insane to win two games in the NCAA tournament. It's not. Based on seeding and matchups? games. BYU's only done that, you know, twice. Twice ever. Uh, if you count the NIT, maybe it's four, right? With 51 and 66. But those, a different era, d- different time. I, that's a great question. I'm not exactly sure because I think from an efficiency standpoint, offensively, that's not going to happen. It's just a different group of personnel, a little younger outside of Averitt and Barcelona yeah. with who's shooting the ball and who's experienced. They, they'd have to get a top five win. Like, what's the win that sends last year's team over the hump? It's Gonzaga at home. Yes. So if, if Gonzaga didn't opt out and BYU won that game in Vegas, maybe you would say, okay, they're on par or maybe better. Think about this. If BYU holds serve, they beat San Francisco and St. Mary's this week, Gonzaga opts out of the West Coast Conference Tournament Championship, BYU goes down there, wins a couple of games, they win the Tournament Championship, they're riding this massive win streak into the tournament, they're going to be in the top 25, and they're probably going to be a seven, dare I say, flirting with the six. If now they're, they're on par with last year. Yes. Not better, but They're on, on par. par. Yeah. But if they win a game or two and get to the Sweet 16, at that point I'm like... Oh, if BYU gets to the Sweet 16, it'll, okay. be, it'll be hard to argue against that yeah. because we didn't know what last year's team did. We never saw it. No one saw it. Well, we saw what it did in the projected ESPN tournament getting to the national championship against Wisconsin and then losing. Yes, binary man. <laughs> All right, BYU beat San Francisco 79-73 last night. Notable win because I got an email from Team Ranking saying, hey, 100% chance BYU makes it 30. I'm like, really, 100? That's great. Hard to uh, disagree with that at this point. BYU's now avoided a quad three regular season loss at Pepperdine was quad two. The resume looking good. BYU did it. Cougars are going dancing, Tyler, which is exciting. Now it's just what seed BYU will have. And considering that BYU graduated seven seniors, three of which were the top 50 players, 65 in BYU history with your brother, Yoli Childs, and Jake Toulson. BYU did it the next year. BYU rebuilt. 
uh, or reloaded rather, and is going dancing, man. Yeah. It, it, it's amazing, right? I mean, this team is way different than last year's team, and they're back in the same spot, same opportunity again to make, make an NCAA tournament run. It's, it's something that Cougar Nation cannot take for granted. I mean, this is awesome stuff that uh, these guys are doing right now. Big win last night. Uh, BYU able to survive a little bit. San Francisco did the same thing it did on the road, which was made this kind of late push to yep. make it interesting. Seven-point game with uh, you know a minute and change. Alex Barcelo, we just talked about it in the headlines, but what a performance from him. 29 points, 7 of 7 from 3. Now, some of you were wondering, and Gregory Bell tweeted about this, why didn't his half-court shot at the end of the half count? It, it just doesn't. You're not penalized for that, like, long heave mm-hmm. uh i think back in the day you would have been but uh m- maybe when you played who knows Jerem would have not- counted it yeah i would have been like and listen i was seven for eight i mean <laughs> um but what a performance and caleb loner had a tremendous first half that that dunk uh he had near the end of the first half. are, are you kidding tried, me tried to a- tear the rim off <laughs> That was a rim rocker. That reminded me of yours against Utah. <laughs> just flying in there, dude. I don't know. It's something about that two-handed power dunk that's just different. <laughs> he's, he's got a certain amount of muscle that makes it unique. So, BYU in a great spot. In fact, let's uh, update the resume here. Net, uh, BYU down in a lot of things. Uh, you, you can attribute that to everyone playing last night slash... Maybe it's playing San Fran a little bit, although San Fran's no slouch. Down three in the net, but still top 25. Down five in Ken Palm. You're not as offensive and defensively efficient as they were hoping to be. BPI stays the same. KPI still 16th. Down one, strength of record. I'm seeing all these minus what? Hey, BYU's still in the top 30. It's all good. Uh, Top 25-ish team right now, right? Which uh, Todd Golden said after the game for San Francisco. So tomorrow BYU's play St. Mary's, and uh, that's going to be really important. Bracketology. Yeah, Lenardi, seven seed. CBS Sports, Jerry Palm, eight seed. Why'd BYU go down again? Uh, team rankings. Highest possible seed, seven, but six is right there. That's the first time we're talking about a six. And bracket matrix, 7.3. So how do you feel about where BYU sits in bracketology, Tyler? All right, man, I think it's great. I think coming into the season, if you would have said right now we'd be here, I, it, it's incredible what they, they've been able to do. If, if they can beat St. Mary's and, and do it pretty, pretty well and you know, at least get to the championship game, I don't know why they couldn't be a sixth seed as well. So, I mean, amazing stuff and really excited to, to see what they do the next few weeks. I am a little afraid of the Sunday play. Maybe BYU gets knocked down a seed thing that sometimes happens. It's yeah. not automatic, but it is a thing that could happen. Um, it can't happen like what happened to BYU when it played Connecticut in the 2000s, right? Oh four, <laughs> I think. Um, where BYU slotted into, if they win the first two games, they'll be in a Sunday region. It's like, no, they have automation now. <laughs> but yeah, if, if you had said a year ago, hey, BYU might be like a seven. Mm-hmm. It's like, are you serious? Like, right. one, BYU's going to the tourney? That's yeah. great after losing those guys. So credit to Mark Pope for not only recruiting these guys, but getting them to believe in the system as a team, the best locker room in America. I just noticed great positive body language in the timeouts, the encouragement, the depth, the defense, the engagement. It's all awesome right now. So BYU continues to uh, to win, and BYU's only really dropped one game in a long time that you didn't think they would, mm-hmm. Pepperdine. And outside of that, BYU's been pretty awesome, man. Like, what's not going well right now for BYU? Oh, San Francisco made it close to the end. Whatever. That's what they do with BYU. Mm-hmm. If BYU can beat St. Mary's, uh, you know, 
by by ten plus. Like it was a ten point game. Moraga BYU played incredible defense. Like the last ten minutes mm-hmm. didn't allow a bucket forever. Um, you know, I I expect it to be close, but I expect BYU to win on senior night. <laughs> a weird senior night. Yeah, different senior night for sure. But uh, I expect them to get the job done too. So I mean, let's talk about that for a minute. I mean, the last five or six games, really, they have been totally locked in. They won five out of the last six. Things are really rolling right now. Um, you feel like we're peaking at the right time? That's what you always play for, right? Is mm. Who cares if you're great in November and December? You need to be your best going into Vegas. I think this is the best BYU's been playing, um, mm. generally speaking, the last two or three weeks. Mm. BYU had a 10-day pause and then went to Pacific and just crushed the Tigers mm-hmm. after playing a double overtime game at home. And Caleb Lohner has taken the jump. Didn't really score in the second half, but his first half was incredible. Matt Harms is doing his thing. Alex Barcelo arguably had his best game last night. BYU's playing really well in the depth and the defense. It's all happening. I'm excited because BYU's going to go into Vegas as the two seed. You would think we're going to get an update here if we haven't already of the adjusted win percentage from the league to ensure that fact, of course. But even if BYU loses to St. Mary's, and you hope they don't, they don't, you go into Vegas, get to the title game, now you're in the tourney, win a game, I'm happy. If BYU goes beyond that, I'm stoked. But if BYU goes to the tourney but loses, a little bit disappointed given the capability of this team. For sure, and I think everyone on that team would be totally disappointed. They, there's an expectation with the coaches and every guy in that locker room to, to make a deep NCAA tournament run, and, and everyone's playing with a lot of confidence. You know, We talked about this a little bit. The first half of league – you know, BYU didn't shoot the ball great, uh, but they still found a way to win games. And now they, they're they locked in defensively and they're shooting the ball amazing from three and things are clicking on the offensive end. So uh, hopefully they can ride this momentum, ride this wave and, and continue. We do have the Ken Pomeroy adjusted winning percentage, which we had Ken Palm on yesterday and we tried to talk about what went into it, and, and I still don't know. Uh, Ken did his best. <laughs> Gonzaga, of course, on top. BYU second and firmly in second. And look at this. For the first time in a couple weeks, Pepperdine has overtaken St. Mary's wow. uh, for, or, or rather St. Mary's up to three, Pepperdine in four. So it's, and it's not close. It's 796 to 590. So BYU could lose tomorrow to St. Mary's and still be the two. So BYU has essentially uh, locked in that two seed in Vegas, which is great. You get to the semifinal. You don't have to play the playing game or a quarterfinal. You're right to Monday, and so uh, that's going to be awesome. That means BYU does not play next week at all. Mm-hmm. BYU get right to that semi, and you played in that tournament, Tyler. What's the advantage of getting right into the semifinal, just showing up on Monday? Yeah, it's a huge advantage to to have those buys. Um, you know, I think just from a physical standpoint, at this time of the year, bodies are tired, and and. To not have to play, you know, a game is is huge. It's a big advantage. So, would you rather BYU match up in the semifinal with, uh, you know, St. Mary's or anybody else? <laughs> because Pepperdine, if they're the four, and we'll see, it's tied with LMU. They they could match up with Gonzaga in that other semi potentially. Yeah, I mean, if you had to choose, you'd probably pick someone other than St. Mary's. St. Mary's is just a hard matchup. They yeah. slow the game down. It's an ugly game. Like they play super slow, they don't let it's you slow ugly to you. Yes, it, certain, it, certain. I get games. it. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I don't like it. It's not my preference of watching. Yeah, but it works for them. 
It's it, like the thing they've got to do to win, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it totally works for them. They, they want to make you work on the defensive end till the last five seconds of the shot clock. Yeah. And, and they're really good at, at finishing in those last five yeah. seconds. And so those games just, it's hard to get in a rhythm of, of anything. And so, I mean, if you had to pick, you'd probably pick someone else. But um, come on, we, BYU's done really well against St. Mary's this year. And, um, you know, even though it, it was an ugly game, they, they found a way to win and, and play really well on, on the defensive end. So um, either way, Jerem. Either way. Here's, here's how weird this year has been, by the way. BYU will not have played two teams at all in WCC play. Can you name the two? Wow. San- you didn't play two teams. Um, San Diego. Yep. And you got it. Who else? Santa Clara. Santa Clara, yep. Did Santa not Clara. play either. So wow. we'll see if they match up in the tourney at all. Um, and, by the way, Portland uh, has a COVID pause right now. Mm-hmm. Their contact tracing, we'll see if they're out for the tournament. Because if, if a team has an issue where they have to pause for two weeks, they're out of the tourney right now. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if Portland's in the tourney. And, and Portland arguably hasn't been in the conference race at all despite playing. It's been tough for them. They, they fired Terry Porter uh, midseason 0-11. But in Ken Palm's suggested winning percentage, they have point zero zero eight. So they have something. There's something. There's always a chance. Portland got something. That's great. FYI, on the women's side, BYU also solidly in second, essentially locked that up as well. Zags uh, and then BYU. If the Zags lost and BYU won tomorrow, there's a chance that BYU wins the league regular season. But uh, BYU women looks like into the semifinal Monday as well, which is exciting. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Our next guest is one of the premier college basketball metric men. He's a stats guru. He is a friend of the program. His name is Ken Pomeroy on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. And Ken, you're going with the headband now. I can respect that. Yeah, you know it's uh, it's kind of necessary. If I didn't do that, I'd have uh, I wouldn't even be able to see the uh, the camera here. So uh, <laughs> so that's that's the reason. So, so there's no message with it, like you know, no Zach Wilson kind of message or uh, or Jim McMahon. If we go back, this is just simply functional, is what you're telling us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm not creative enough to come up with a, a witty message. So yeah, just just simply a matter of uh, keeping the hair out of my face. <laughs> Don't rule it out. Maybe later. Uh, let's talk about uh, you're in the news even more than you already are with your metric. Uh, the West Coast Conference announces, you know, uh, about a week and a half ago, hey, we have a adjusted winning percentage. We've teamed up with Ken Pomeroy to figure this out so that, you know, not everybody's played the same teams in the league. Certainly games have been canceled, different numbers and whatnot. So what went into this? And uh, can, you, can you tell us a little bit more about it? Because the league hasn't really explained <laughs> what's in it. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, I don't want to blame them too much. It, it is hard to explain. You know, I think people, you know, with it, if you're a college basketball fan, you were raised on the RPI. It was kind of a simple formula. You could, you know, explain it in terms of this times this plus this times this is your number. Uh, it doesn't quite work that way in my algorithm, but I guess we'll just take a step back here and start with the fact that it's really designed to account for differences in schedule and adjust the team's winning percentage based on, on who they played. Uh, obviously this season that is, desperately needed the WCC itself is kind of a weird conference where there's a lot you know it's a great team there's a 
you know, poor team at the other end. There's a good mix of, uh, of different teams. And so schedules can be massively unbalanced. Um, as far as like how it works, like, it, it, you know, you know, you, you win, you get a, you get a, you get a bonus, you lose, you get a penalty. It depends on who you played. If you lose to Gonzaga, your penalty is very small. Um, you know, if you, you know, lose to Portland, your penalty is very large. Uh, so it's based on that home and road goes into it, but it just looks at wins and losses and conference play only. So it only knows about conference games and, uh, and it ends up producing a pretty, you know, a really fair and sensible uh, rating. Uh, and question on that, was there any conversation relative to releasing it earlier? Cause I know there was some frustration from at least Mark Pope going, wait, what is this? Uh, which it makes sense, Ken, to figure out something that would neutralize the way the year has gone. I, that makes sense to me. Timing was interesting. And then are the coaches told, um, you know, okay, if you win both these games, yeah, you, BYU, hey, you'll be the two seed. Because it's not, it's not clear cut like uh, the traditional standings. Yeah, no question. I think, so, yeah, obviously this was something nobody really had the foresight to do this at the beginning of the season. Uh, I, I wish they would have. I mean, it was, it was certainly surprising to me that it was uh, not necessarily it was the middle of the season, but that it was adopted so quickly in the middle of the season. Uh, and nobody really uh, had some serious pushback. I'm sure there were coaches other than Mark Pope grumbling about it, but for the most part, people just have gone along with it and, uh, and trusted that I, um, I'm doing the right thing here. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I think had we started at the beginning of the year, certainly we would have built something that you could say, hey, plug in this result and you'll see how you've done and, uh, or how, you, you know, how that will affect your rating. Um, early in the season, things get affected in weird ways. You know, uh, a loss to some you know, a game that, that does not involve you can affect your rating, you know, pretty profoundly as the system figures out schedule strength and things like that. Again, it's only looking at conference games. So if it only has four or five games from a team to look at, things can change pretty dramatically about that team. But as we get later into the season, it should, you know, it should make more sense this week. You know, I mean, obviously BYU wins out, they're going to be the two seed. Like I can, I can tell you that. And uh, they probably have a fair amount of wiggle, wiggle room. They might even be able to lose both games and still be the two seed. Mm. Um, but hopefully, you know, Hopefully by the last, you know, uh, this last Saturday, hopefully we can crank out some scenarios so everybody knows exactly, you know, what they need to do to, to finish at a certain seed. Ken, when and how did this all come together? So, so who approached you? How did you get together with the WCC? And, and obviously we realize you know, some teams playing half as, as many games as others, there, there was a need for this. But who reached out to who? When did this get put together? And how quickly did you have to throw it all together? So I think it was about two weeks ago that the the conference actually was really, uh, I guess it started with conversations among the coaches uh, in terms of, you know, Hey, you know, this is, we can't make up all our games. You know, this is going to be kind of an unfair situation. And uh, there's some grumbling. There has been cases in other conferences where people have been really suspicious of teams, not wanting to make up certain games and wanting to make up other games and to improve their seating. And the WCC didn't want that to happen. They also didn't want to jam in a bunch of makeup games at the end of the season if they didn't have to. So, um, so that's where it started. The coaches kind of got started. I think that bubbled up to the ADs. The ADs pushed it up to conference leadership, and then conference leadership contacted me. And uh, really, it was a matter, honestly, of a day or so. Like I, you know, I kind of have stuff in my my toolbox in terms of computing ratings for for different things. So it wasn't like I just made something up on the fly. Like I had an idea of of something that would that would work for this situation. But it really was a, a day in terms of like kind of cranking out the code and, and giving them some results. And uh, you know, <laughs> they and then maybe another two or three days before they decided, yeah, let's go forward and use this. 
Ken Pomeroy joins us on BYU Sports Nation. Let's talk about the Cougars now, Ken. Uh, at the beginning of the season, they were 88, kind of unknown, right, after a spectacular season last year. BYU now at 19, and three weeks ago, BYU was at 49. So a 30-spot jump in your ratings based on adjusted offensive and defensive efficiency ratio. What has changed for BYU in terms of efficiency to have that kind of jump the last three weeks? Yeah, they've just improved kind of all across the board. I mean, now they're up to 26 on offense and 23 on defense. And um, I think the last time we talked about how their uh, their statistical profile is not super exciting, and it's still not necessarily super exciting. It's a, it's a little more interesting. Like the the offense has really come around. Their two point shooting is, is ranked 23rd in the country. Uh, their two point defense is ranked 29th in the country. Uh, so very similar to what their offense and defenses are. Uh, offense and defense is ranked and. Uh, those are kind of the two stats I like to look at first just to make sure that like what's happening isn't a fluke and it doesn't appear that it is a fluke. I mean, obviously it's, you know, buoyed a little bit by, um, you know, the blowout against Portland, but, uh, or actually two blowouts against Portland, but for the most part, you know, the WCC, the middle of the WCC is a little tougher than it has been. BYU's played a, a little bit tougher than average, uh, a schedule relative to the WCC. So, um, yeah, it does seem like it's been a kind of a legitimate improvement here in recent weeks. So they find themselves in that, in that top 20 now, Ken. How does the top 20 in your metrics translate to NCAA tournament performance? Well, it's, uh, it's pretty encouraging. I mean, when they, you know, they'll probably be favored in their, in their first game in the tournament. And their second game you know, in the tournament will be kind of a, a toss-up probably. And then, you know, when they get – when they get <laughs> – if they get to the Sweet 16, uh, you know, that'll be a uh, – uh, you know, a game where they're probably not favored, but they're not a huge underdog. So, you know, they'll need to play a little bit. They'll need to overachieve or they'll need the opponent to have a bad game or uh, they'll need some bracket luck. You know, maybe they end up not drawing the, the top seed from from their pod. So, uh, so you know, it's encouraging. I mean, you can you know, the ceiling is, is really, really high. Like no team ranked as low as 19 has, has ever won the tournament. But, you know, obviously a lot of teams have gotten to the title game uh, from a ranking like that. So, uh, this is, so the ceiling is high and, uh and, uh, you know, I think the expectations will be pretty high, you know, not, not to get to the final four or anything, but certainly, uh, you know, I think at this point, if BYU gets to the tournament, they're going to get to the tournament, but if they get there and lose, uh, it'll be a little bit of a disappointment. Yeah, certainly the way BYU is playing defense right now and, and the 10 deep thing is pretty interesting as well. Um, let's talk about this. You mentioned earlier, and I want to go back to it a little bit, where you said hey, BYU might be able to lose both these games and still be the two seed. Earlier we were talking about, hey, d- how much do these two games matter for BYU? Because Cougars are pretty comfortable in terms of bracketology, single-digit seed, 19th in Ken Palm. Like, they're, they're probably in a situation where if worse came to worse and BYU lost tonight against San Francisco and St. Mary's on Saturday that – could still be the two seed, maybe. Probably still in the tournament. Would probably have to get to that title game. But how much does this week matter in terms of making sure BYU gets into the tournament? In your opinion, uh, it matters a little bit. Like, I mean, it is good in, in the sense that they're playing San Francisco and St. Mary's, and so uh, those won't be you know viewed as bad losses. Uh, they're obviously in a good position right now. You know, when you look at kind of the, the bracketologists around the country, basically having them in that six, seven, eight slot. So. You know, that's a long way to fall to uh, to get knocked out of the tournament. And I don't think two losses, I don't think losses to San Francisco and St. Mary's and even another quality loss in the WCC tournament would uh, would knock them out of that. So to me, um, they're in pretty solid shape. I guess the only wild card there is what happens in conference tournaments. You know, we might have more, uh, you know, unusual cases of, of uh, teams not in the tournament right now getting automatic bids and kind of shrinking the field of at-larges a little bit. 
But I just don't think that effect is going to be big enough to, you know, to matter for a team like BYU at this point. So this this is the best Gonzaga team. When we look at it in terms of metrics, the in the Mark Few era, best in offensive efficiency, second best defensively. In your opinion, is this the best team overall that Mark Few's ever had up at Gonzaga? Yeah, I think so. Like it's. Uh... It's just been impressive, you know, what they've done. What I guess one like stat to throw out, you know, the last twenty five years in terms of conference margin of victory, uh Gonzaga, their twenty nineteen team is number one all time. Their twenty seventeen team is number two all time. This team is number three all time right now. And uh, you know, the games games against Santa Clara and Loyola Ma- Marymount, you know, left. So they could improve on that. They could actually still wow. challenge that number one spot. But uh the point is that this team is third. You might think, well, maybe they're, you know, maybe they're not the best team that Mark View has had, but uh, you know, part of it is the schedule. They really, uh, you know, the, the WCC, as I mentioned, has gotten better. Gonzaga has really kind of filtered out the bad games this year. Um, you know, obviously playing BYU twice, playing St. Mary's twice. Um, they're playing some of the tougher teams uh, a little more often. And so, uh, so I do think clearly like, this is, this is the best team that he's ever had. I mean, the starting lineup is, uh, is pretty amazing. And uh and you know he's obviously got some depth as well, but uh, but it's a pretty pretty legitimate honor I think right now for Mark Few, and the expectation is obviously uh, is gonna gonna be heavy on them because uh, you know they're really gonna be the favorites when the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and they didn't lose to BYU, so we think it's probably the best Gonzaga team ever for that fact as well. <laughs> By our metric, they're the best. Yeah, yes, right, so yes, Ken, great stuff. We appreciate peeking behind the curtain there with the wizard uh, of, of the winning adjusted uh, percentage in the WCC, and uh, thanks for the time, man. All right. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. It's Ken Pomeroy on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. So great to get some info on that uh, on that metric and yeah. and that he thinks BYU probably could still get the two seed even with two losses. Yeah. Now, you don't want that, but if it happened... Well, and interesting that he says okay. that, that if they lose these two this week, they still get the two seed, but then they're at risk... To fall out of, you know, if they lose a game they shouldn't lose in the tournament, in the WCC right. tournament. If it's not, say, right. Pepperdine. Right, so all, exactly. so all yeah. of a sudden, now you're at risk for everything. And so, I, you know, they shouldn't lose these two games this week. He's not going to lose tonight. Yeah. So, and, and interesting, like Saturday might be more interesting. How, how, how interesting, like, how long ago? Well, a couple of weeks ago they called me, and it took me a day to put this thing together. Like, <laughs> in my toolbox of stuff that I have, I just, which I think is awesome. He, yeah. was just, he was just ready to go when yes. they had a need. But they had to do something. You've, you've got some teams playing, yes. you know, just very few games, and some teams playing a bunch of games. And I agree with that. Although they could have just said, "We're going with straight net." Yeah, that would have been an easy solution. And I know that was discussed, which is the number one, con- you know, factor that is considered by the NCAA tournament selection the sorting so, tool. So, yeah. so why not? So uh, they needed to do something. Glad to see that they did something to adjust it's, a little bit. The issue is the timing, yeah. and the issue is. Uh, so if we win, are we good? Yeah, that's, like, that's the problem. Hard. Yeah, that's the problem. It's hard to know, but net, you have at least a sense of that. Yeah, so, all right. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Time for prop picks for tonight's matchup between BYU and San Francisco tonight in Provo, presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. Number one, who will score BYU's 15th point of the game? This is very proppy. And this is for Spencer. Alex Barcelo. Oh. And, and, and I just, I have this feeling Alex is going to go off tonight. I felt like okay. he's just going to go off tonight. So he may score 10 of the first 15, but he's going to score the 15th. 
I say uh, Gideon George. Gideon George right. will score the 15. I like that. Number two, who will lead BYU in scoring tonight? I think I already told you. I think Alex Barcelo is going to go original off stuff tonight. Here. Alex Barcelo is going to go off tonight. He's just going to have a game. He's, he's just feeling it today. I just feel it. AB led BYU in scoring at San Francisco because he made eight or ten free throws in the final two minutes. Richard Harward is my pick. I'm going aggressive. He had 13 points in 19 minutes on the hill, Tom. I'm, I'm going to give you, they cannot defend inside against BYU. They so that's, that's not a bad pick, but I still think it's my boy Alex. I Marshall. think it's good. Not bad. Number three, how many points will BYU hold Khalil Shabazz to? It feels like he averages 30 against BYU. Well, he had 30 last time. I'm saying half of what he normally gets. 15 tonight. He's a marked man. He cannot get 30 again. 17. He made four threes in the last two minutes okay. to get himself to 30. Okay. He only had 18 of that point. Those are our problems. Time for Prop Picks, the San Francisco recap and the picks for tomorrow against St. Mary's presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group serving Utah since 1968. Number one, who will score BYU's 15th point of the game? I had Gideon George, Blaine for Spencer, said Alex Barcelo. We both lost. It was Connor Harding who scored the 15th point. These are very proppy. Number two, who will lead BYU in scoring? A little simpler. I went aggressive with Richard Harward, who had a nice game at San Francisco. Blaine picked Alex Barcelo. Let's just say Blaine won convincingly. Number three, how many points will BYU hold Khalil Shabazz to? Blaine gets the point here. Shabazz only had 12. He picked 15. I said 17. I needed another garbage three or two to go in. They did not. It was close. So I'm down 2-0. I'm probably going to lose, but let's pick anyway. Number one, at what point will St. Mary score its 25th point, Tyler? I'm saying with two minutes left in the half. I, I think it'll be a slow, slow first half. I go four, just a little earlier. So it's closer to the pin, so we'll see uh, how that goes. Number two, which BYU player will make BYU's third three-point shot? These are getting more more random. Spencer Johnson for me. <laughs> oh, okay. Yep. I go Caleb Lohner. I just think he's on okay. fire from three right now. He's feeling it. And number three, which which of the BYU three seniors will shoot the highest field goal? Alex Barcelo. Oh, for sure. He carries it over? Yep. He's in a rhythm right now. He's in the flow. He'll do it again tonight. Uh, Hobbs. That's what I'm going with. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Okay, bonus question time, Jerem, at the end of the show. One year ago tonight, 23rd-ranked BYU stunned yeah. number 2 Gonzaga in one of the most unforgettable, raucous, loud BYU basketball home wins ever. What's your favorite moment from last year's win against the number 2 Zags? The only child's dunk, because that was the uh, nail in the coffin. That was the, uh, you know, that was it. That was the finish, and it was so exciting. Connor Harding drives in, oh. gives the Yoli dunks, and it was like, BYU did it. BYU did it. And it was so special. And all of a sudden it was like, wait, BYU just beat number two Gonzaga. BYU's a ranked team as well at 23 at this point. But Didn't they jump like, up to number 14 after this? Maybe 17. 17, okay. Yeah, Pepperdine, I think. Um, uh, we can look it up. But yeah. uh, just what a fun night. The crowd storms. They celebrate. Everyone hangs out. Because what, what members of the church love to do is just sit there and hang out. They love to linger longer. So they're like, hey, get the team back out here. Let's get a mic. And Mark Pope's doing his really high-pitched thing. Oh, can you believe this, yeah. Yoli Childs? Yeah, he's doing a sports center hit down there. Just chaos. And it was awesome, man. <laughs> the dunk from Yoli was perfect because his last two points in the Marriott Center needed to be established in that fashion. 
a dunk against Gonzaga, senior night. Oh, special. It was perfect. It was a perfect goodbye for Yoli Childs and Jake Toulson, TJ Haas, Zach Selyus. That just was Dalton Nixon Dalton comes Nixon. in late. Yes, he gets that in the was game. Cool. That was incredible. Yeah. It was a great moment. Um, an off the radar one for me was, and, and I was standing next to you when this happened. Uh, early in the second half, Colby Lee takes a three pointer, and I'm like, this goes in, BYU ain't losing. Bang! And he knocks it down. I was like, oh my goodness, BYU's probably going to win this game. Yes, Colby Lee's knocking down threes, and Yoli's, you know, nodding his head. TJ's doing his thing. <laughs> Richard Harward's on the bench. Yeah, you know, I was like, like, yeah, if Colby, Colby Lee's doing that, BYU's not losing. And that's the main difference I see between this year's team, which is really good, right? And then last year's team. Last year's team has that win. That win accounts for a lot of the feeling Mm -hmm. you have about that team generally. Now, that team played a tougher schedule as well, went to Maui and and did pretty well um, and and played a really good schedule. Obviously, this year is different where BYU didn't have that opportunity. Suddenly, they're playing St. John's on a day's notice, you know, USC, blah, blah, blah. But it was a special season capped by that. We just forget the next game because it was a lost St. Mary's, blah, blah, blah. Just good feelings from the Gonzaga yeah. game. The most memorable moment I had from the day before that was when I banked in that half-court shot on a that live was awesome. BYU Sports Nation. That was awesome. It was our closest thing to game. That was really fun. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Our next guest is a friend of the program. Listen. He might be the only friend from St. Mary's we have because there's a fun rivalry there, right? But Alex Jensen on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline joins us. Alex, what's going on, man? Hey guys, how are you? I'm everything's good. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I, I can't believe this season's almost over already. I mean, I, in some ways, mercifully, right? Oh, you got yours. I got mine too. We're all, good. <laughs> We're all set. There we go. We got the Deli Gnome out here. We'll do it for this segment only. Um, so we played it earlier in the show, but we got to play it for you. We have rewritten history. The Dell of a Dagger does not exist anymore on the BYU record book. This is what it looked and sounded like. Haas, guarded by Holt. Tyler Haas! 2.5 on the clock. Dell of for the win! Misses it. It is indeed over! And here come the fans! They're storming the floor at the Marriott Center! So, sorry, <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Delhi was so close oh, hey. there, man. So <laughs> close. <laughs> it's funny the the benches switched so quickly from one side <laughs> to the other. Uh, you know, <laughs> and there was a court storming. I know they put kind of pushed your booth back a little bit. It was a little sketchy there for a minute, but uh, yeah, glad to have that happen. It was scary. Trust yeah, me, it, it was, was scary. Yeah. By the scary. way, Tyler, that that was a tough shot, man. I mean, you had hold on you. Um, do what do you remember about that play? Just from from your perspective, like just your shot particularly, because I thought the game was over when you hit that. Yeah, so I the play before I went baseline and hit a shot going baseline. So I think he thought I was going going that way again, and the the middle opened up, and I, I didn't mean to to go off one foot, and somehow somehow I got it in there, but it. it it's forgotten. It's a sore memory, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> well, now it's a good memory. Yeah, we've, uh, we've that's re- right. We've rewritten <laughs> there it. There you go. Yeah. We can both remember it how we want. The record book will not lie. Though. Yes. There we go. And don't let like the that. truth get in the way of a good story, right? Okay, so exactly. obviously right. St. Mary's and BYU. By the way, St. Mary's moving up to three in adjusted winning percentage. Did you, did you see this happening where 
okay, at some point St. Mary's going to overtake Pepperdine and be the three right now because uh, it, it looks like you guys could be the three in Vegas. We'll, we'll see what happens uh, tomorrow. I thought if St. Mary's won their last three games, then they would have a really good shot to be three. Uh, the game, I, you know, I, I really could. No one could tell you the exact algorithm. I know you guys had Ken Palm on uh, yesterday, but uh, you know, St. Mary's just play. It has the number one, the toughest strength of schedule in the league in in West Coast Conference play. They play Gonzaga twice. They'll have played BYU play twice. They've played Pepperdine twice. Their one game against LMU was on the road. Um, so I, I, I really thought if they won these last three games, you know, beat Pepperdine, beat Pacific last night, and then beat BYU, um, that they, they'd end up in third place. I'm surprised it happened before um, before tomorrow's game, but I was watching that uh, LMU Pepperdine game like a hawk. I'll tell you that much. So, Alex, you know, you mentioned this. It feels like St. Mary's and BYU are playing really, really well at this time of the year. Um, won the majority of their their previous games. How is this matchup and St. Mary's? How are they different from the last time they fa- these two teams faced off? It seems like both teams are a little different, right? But St. Mary's has had such a herky-jerky stop-and-start last couple of months. I mean, um, I'll give you some numbers here, guys. Uh, this is this is an offense that that looked pretty good over the first couple of months back in December. They lose Alex Dukas. They lose Lemon Bockler, who are probably their two best shooters. Since December 15th, this team hasn't scored more than 67 points. Okay. Mm. Now, so their rotation ch- has changed since then. Uh, then they, you know, they, they play Santa Clara, BYU, Gonzaga at home and lose all three, obviously. But then they go on the road and beat LMU and USF. So they're picking up some momentum. I felt like, you know, for a team that, and, and Tyler, you know, I mean, when, when you go into a new year, having a new role, um, you know, it, with a different group of guys, a younger group of guys, especially that can take some time. So, you know, it was, a, it was like that to begin with when you lose Jordan, Jordan Ford and Malik Fitz, then you have a couple injuries, roles shift again. And then I thought St. Mary just started to pick up some momentum, beating LMU and USF on the road. And then they don't play for three weeks. Right. So I, I think they may have found something now playing Kyle Bowen and Dan Fotu on the floor at the same time a lot. Uh, they're a really good defensive team. I mentioned their offensive numbers, but only one team has scored more than 66 points against the Gales in conference play. That's Gonzaga twice, right? So they, they may have found something with Judah Brown out there that can space the floor a little bit. Uh, that's been the issue, right? I mean, they've been creating good shots, I think. I think they've had good looks, but they you know, they just haven't shot the ball very well in league play. Some of that has to do with who's out there. Some of it has to do with the changing roles. Uh, but I think the road to answer your question, I think the rotation is starting to tighten a little bit. I think Randy Bennett's finding, you know, seven, eight, maybe nine guys that he can really count on. Some of those are freshmen. So that's why there's been some inconsistencies. Uh, but I think that the roles are starting to get solidified. And BYU, when I hear BYU and St. Mary's, I think, oh, this is going to be a big game, like no matter what. Um, you know, BYU ends up winning by 10 in Moraga, but it was closer than that. St. Mary's couldn't make a shot for like a 10-minute spell. It was, it was crazy, right? And four of the previous five were decided by five or less. The last eight games have been split. Every other team has won the last eight. So what do you expect tomorrow night? I think it'll be close, man. I mean, this team, St. Mary's does not know how to play a game that's not close unless they're playing with one team in the country. (laughs) I mean, you know, last night was their first double-digit win since before Christmas. Or since before the New Year, actually. They beat Sacramento State the day before New Year's Eve. Uh, but again, because they're, because of their defense. And if you watch that game back in Moraga, it's a similar defensive club, St. Mary's, you know, they have two quality, very quality bigs, 
they they're big, they're they're long, which means that they can match up with BYU like few other teams can in the league. Um, but yeah, I expect it to be close, man. I mean, you mentioned the game in Moraga, right? I mean, that was not a 10 point game. That was a nip and tuck game the whole way through. Um, you know, and, and St. Mary's really got bit by what's plagued them all season long, especially during the conference. I mean, they didn't score for like six minutes, seven minutes, right? It's hard to win the game that way. So I think they've gotten better there. And, you know, going back to, to your point, Tyler, I think that the Gales have changed a little bit since these two teams played, but yeah. I think this will be a close game, man. I, BYU is a different team, too. BYU is, is a better team, I think, than when the Gales saw them in Moraga. So it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, how the X's and O's work themselves out. So, Alex, I'm always impressed with um, just how well-disciplined St. Mary's is on both ends of the floor. Randy Bennett has them locked in on both sides. Uh, it seems like... St. Mary's is always able to control the pace of the game. BYU, you know, yeah. in, in the past has wanted to push the tempo, play faster, and St. Mary's mm-hmm. slows it down. It's really methodical, but they always get the really, really good shots. You talked about uh, earlier their ability to create good shots at this point in the year. Um, can you talk a little bit about why that is? How are they able to control the pace of the game so well? That's a great. Well, first of all, you know, I, I think that um, every time in practice, man, transition, did what we do a, a key to, our keys to the game every game. We get, you know, associate head coach Marcus Schroeder gives me three keys to the game. And two of them are always take care of the ball and transition defense, which kind of go hand in hand, as you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so first of all, I think ever since I've been at St. Mary's, my ninth year now at the Gales. They've been one of the tops in the country in, in turnovers per game. I mean, they're always right around, you know, between 10, 12, maybe, they're probably not even 13, but 10, 11, 12 turnovers per game. So I think that helps them, right? And a lot of those are not – they don't make many live ball turnovers, right, as you know. Uh, so they don't give you a chance to run out. Um, so I think that's part of it. And the other part is I, I hear Randy Bennett say time and time again, build a wall in transition. Um, and, um, you know, I, I just think that the Gales are able to, to get back on defense – and they, I mean, you mentioned how methodical they are. They make you guard for, you know, 20, 25, 27 seconds every time down. I mean, you, you tell me, like, how much does that, how, how draining is that? Like having to guard for that many seconds every time down the floor. Yeah, so draining. Yeah, it was so frustrating yeah. to play against and, and so tiring, especially getting towards the end of the game. They just make you, the Gales make you work for everything. And Alex. Right, uh, right. So. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Jeremy. I was just going to say. No, please. You mentioned it, Tyler. It um, it, it kind of always comes down to a battle of tempo, and I know BYU's playing a little bit slower over the last month or so. Um, and Mark Post done a great job with that. And uh, but it, it always kind of comes down to that battle, right? Probably not so much to that extent this season, mm-hmm. um, but that's that always kind of seems to be the case. Who's going to control the tempo? And that seems to be the team that normally has the upper hand. And I know you're calling remotely this year, but uh, the fact that BYU is wearing more mouthpieces may make you guys more comfortable. So just, <laughs> I got my own. Feel right too. at home. Yeah. Just right here. Oh, wow. Look at Brad, that. Brad Waldo, you know what I'm saying? Brad Waldo. <laughs> Did that have the fangs? Yeah, it oh, did. Oh, come on, man. That's I, not cool. I threw it. Like, Brad Waldo threw it? You don't remember that? Oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. As soon as he did that, I was like, oh, here comes a T. I mean, he was, a, he yeah. was frustrated, obviously. Yeah, and but. here comes me washing that for a long time as well. Yeah, it's yeah, be well, maybe you don't want to wear it again. I probably won't. Alex, <laughs> always good to see you, man. Uh, congrats on the uh, the win the last couple of days. St. Mary's climbing up to that three seed, and uh, 
yeah, we'll 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 duke it out tomorrow night. Let's go, man. Guys, thanks a lot. Uh, I'm looking forward to the game tomorrow night. I think it'll be a good one. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks, thanks Alex. Always good to talk to Alex Jensen, our friend of me on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why, we show how. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio. BYU.